Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, we will address the magnetic power of God's manifest presence and how to invite it into your life. There is a difference between God's omnipresence and His manifest presence. His omnipresence means that God is timelessly everywhere present. He is in your the air that you breathe, the atmosphere, in and around everything. He is the creator of all, from the microscopically small all the way to the vast macro of outer space. All creation would cease to exist without God's omnipresence. But he is more in some places than others. When he reveals himself as more, you are in seeing and encountering his manifest presence. The Israelites encountered his manifest presence in the cloud of glory by day and the fire by night. When he revealed himself in signs, wonders, and miracles with the parting of the sea and the giving them of the manna, this was encountering the manifest presence of God. The key for us to encounter the manifest presence of God is a sincere heart postured toward God with praise and worship. It's the difference between glancing at God and gazing. Gazing is a long look and glancing is a short look. To God, gazing is loving. You look or long gaze at things you love. If you love drugs and alcohol, you gaze at it. If you love money, you gaze at it. So when you gaze at God, he knows that you're loving him, and he gazes back, and God's favor flows where his eyes are fixed. So if you fix your eyes on Jesus, he will fix his eyes on you, and this invites his manifest presence. James 4.8 says, Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Karen Conrad from Wealth Builders, in a teaching session at the recent Lance Well Now Dream Trip, addressed the truth that money is attracted, not pursued. Favor is attracted, not pursued. Divine connections are attracted and not pursued. Pursue only the Lord your God, and he will add these things unto you. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But as for you, O man of God, flee from these things, aim at and pursue righteousness, true goodness, moral conformity to the character of God, godliness, the fear of God, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. The word favorite comes from the word favor. The magnetic anointing force is God's favor. Charon is the word for favor in the Bible, and it means yearn towards, long for, be merciful, compassionate, favorable, inclined towards, give, grant graciously. Lance Wellnow calls this the honey of heaven because it's sticky and sweet. It's when you dip yourself in God's blessed presence 
and he sticks to you in a way that people can sense. He defines favor as the attraction of God to you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you in an assignment God gave you connected to your calling. God's manifest favor is a magnetic force that God puts on you because you have befriended him. The word anointing is creo. It is a material substance of the very presence of God on you, and it literally means to rub or smear and consecrate for a purpose. Based on that definition, it makes sense that you must be in God's presence to receive it. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, And Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. You become God's favorite when you love him with your all. And he is moved to move on your behalf because you are a close friend to him. Matthew 6.33 says, But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, His way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. This is exactly what Karen Conrad meant when she said that money is attracted, not pursued, and favor is attracted and not pursued. Divine connections are attracted, not pursued, because the Lord is inclined to pull those resources to you because he is moved to move on your behalf. I wanted the Lord to give me more insight about what the anointing was all about. And so I asked him this question, Lord, I never really thought about the anointing as being a rubbing off of you on things and people. It was fascinating to learn that the anointing is a material substance Help me understand this rubbing or smearing and help me see it with the eyes of my heart what you want me to know about it. The Lord reminded me of the time when at the Cleveland House of Prayer there was a a special encounter that we were having as we were listening to a Misty Edwards bridegroom encounter for the first time and my friend Becky was pouring gallons of olive oil over a lady's head who was sitting in a baby pool. And the Lord showed me that there was an imprint like a stamp, wet at first that then dried in place as a permanent tattoo, marked and sealed. And I asked the Lord to explain that to me as he was bringing this memory to mind. And he said, the more personal, intimate time you spend with me, the more I stick on you. You attract my anointing when you worship, praise, and simply be with me for me. And when you pour your heart out to me in prayer, I enjoy you enjoying me. This 
time you spend with me invites my manifest presence and creates an accumulation of anointing that sticks on you. The more you boldly wear me for all to see, the more the rubbing of the anointing will dry permanently on you like a tattoo. People will feel me when they are near you. They will know me because of your boldness. Elisha's bones were so saturated with my presence that every atom and neuron was drenched with my anointing and remained on the prophet's bones because of his boldness for me. It was a permanent imprint. This is why when a dead body was thrown on his bones, it came back to life. Power remained on it. He continued, memory foam receives an imprint and then pops back after you take your hands off of it. But when it happens, repeatedly an imprint remains. Evidence of it lingers, visible even after a person gets up. The same is true when the anointing is presence because of your continual gazing at me in your life. It invites my anointing favor into your life. Let's look at a few Bible stories where we can see the favor anointing working in someone's life. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes at the tail end of Israel's 70-year exile. Word got back to Nehemiah that the city of the walls of Jerusalem were in shambles, and it weighed heavy on his heart. One day, the king noticed the solemnness in Nehemiah and asked him what, he was, what was wrong. Feeling his pain, the king asked Nehemiah how he could help. Nehemiah 2, 7-9. Then I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the provinces beyond the Euphrates River so that they will allow me to pass through until I reach Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to construct beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the city wall, and for the house which I will occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the Euphrates River, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent officers of the army and horsemen with me. The cupbearer's job was to taste and test the food and drink before the king. Poisoning was a common way to kill kings in that day. Because of Nehemiah's trusting relationship, the king granted him everything he needed to go and repair the walls of Jerusalem. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, each family situated closest to the sections of the wall stepped up and repaired their wall portions under Nehemiah's anointed instruction. Remarkably, they completed the job in only 52 days. The king and the people who helped did so because of the favor anointing of Nehemiah. Another example is related to Moses and the Israelites. After so many plagues hitting the people of Egypt, you would have expected the Egyptians to hate the Israelites. In Pharaoh's stubbornness, the people experienced plague after plague, 
even costing them their firstborn. The Lord forecasted the favor for the Israelites even before the plagues affected them. Exodus 3, 21-22 And I will grant this people favor and respect in the sight of the Egyptians. Therefore it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed, but every woman shall insistently ask their neighbor and any woman who lives in their house for articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and daughters. In the in this way, you are to plunder the Egyptians, leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. Why did God give more than two tons of silver, gold, linens, and other treasures to more than two million people exiting Egypt? Because he knew they were going to need them to build the temple and serve the Lord. The favor anointing is always connected to God's kingdom purposes. There are two sides to the favor magnet. Magnets stick and repel. Likewise, there are two sides to the favor anointing of God's manifest presence. The enemy hates God's favor. Consequently, as God increases your favor because of your abiding, people show up to help you, you receive extra blessings. When these things happen, prepare yourself for spiritual warfare. Part of the reason that it's so important that intimacy be connected with favor because of God's manifest presence, you need to grow in maturity to be able to handle it. You really do, because the enemy is going to come after you. The favor anointing is like a supernatural radius of God's love that surrounds you and makes people notice and sense God's love, causing them to want to help you. The enemy uses jealousy as a mighty weapon against the power of this favor anointing. Have you noticed that many of the most highly fruit-bearing spirit-led leaders experience the most significant resistance from inside the body of Christ. This is because jealousy can be an ugly enemy to the purposes of God. To handle the power of the favor anointing, you must have the character of God reigning in your heart. Attacks will come. The challenge is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and not on the haters. Understanding that spiritual warfare is normal, typical, and expected. Knowing that the one in you is so much greater than the one in the world is necessary to keep you in balance. Do not fear the favor anointing because the truth, when you cling to God through it, you are empowered to deal with it. Remember, this is all about God's manifest presence, inviting him by your gazing. So when you lean on him through it, he really helps you take care of that. One super clear Bible story that shows the two sides of the favor magnet is the love-hate relationship between King Saul and David. After David was anointed as future king, God's anointing left King Saul. This vacuum filled his heart with tormenting spirits, causing the king great anguish. Saul found comfort when David played the harp for him, 
and the soothing presence of the Lord on David and the relaxing instrumental music of the harp gave Saul his peace. In David's presence, Saul loved him like a son. But soon jealousy overtook King Saul as the people preferred David and taunted him with songs comparing David to Saul. This jealousy turned into a murderous hatred and he hunted David on a mission to kill him for many years. David had many opportunities to kill Saul, but would not dare kill God's anointed king. This hunting season covered over eight years and is thoroughly covered in 1 Samuel chapters 21 to 31 and 2 Samuel chapter 1. At one point, David got close enough to cut off the fringe of Saul's robe and then confronted him about it. In David's presence, look what happened to Saul. 1 Samuel 24, 16 to 19. Then Saul wept out loud and said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, though I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this to this day how well you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go away unharmed? May the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. So Saul winds up blessing David and leaving him alone until the next chapter when he's no longer in David's favor anointed presence and resumes the hunt. Here we learn that if you want the favor of God, you need to have the strength to handle spiritual warfare that comes with that favor. And the only way to do that is a lifestyle of abiding in God's manifest presence. Like any muscle, you have to build up to being able to handle large amounts of God's power and favor. And this comes only when you spend time with him in praise and worship and prioritize and saturate yourself in the word of God. God uses the power of his magnetic favor and presence to guide and direct you as well. This Bible story shows how God guided both Mary and Joseph, but also the Magi. Joseph and Mary were from a modest family and they did not have a lot of money. When Jesus was an infant, they were told by an angel to go to Egypt. Matthew 2, 13 to 14. Now when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod intends to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. It was Mary and Joseph's purpose and calling to raise the Messiah. And this action fulfilled the prophetic promise from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. There was a special favor over the ones the father would trust for that job. So he made sure they were provided for and put a burning purpose on some Magi's hearts from a faraway land to provide for them. Matthew 2, 9-11 After hearing the king, 
they went on their way, and behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them continually leading the way until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then after opening the treasure chests, they presented to him gifts, fit for a king gifts, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus was about two years old when the Magi presented these gifts. The star first appeared on the night Jesus was born. And God led these men for two years until they could give their gifts to the King of Kings. God's magnetic influence can reach people across the world. Here's a journal entry that God gave to Dr. Michelle Kirby, one of my work colleagues and dear friends, about magnets. He said, I have a very elaborate magnet collection. Do you ever wonder what made draw you to walk up one way or another, or which route to take, or what time to go? Yes, you may always choose, but my magnets are literally preparing a table for you. My magnets are spiritual breadcrumbs for, as you say, clearing the way and guarding the path. I command the earth, the sea, and the sky to obey me. I light that fire in you, and it sparks out to others as I highlight you to speak. And she said, thank you, Lord. You're truly the wind that blows in the trees. And I marvel when the birds who chase one another around me and the wind suddenly pick up as I poured my heart up to you. And he said, draw near to me as a magnet, and I will draw near to you. My magnet collection is for all who will come and see. James 4.8. So I want to switch gears now and talk about your time, your treasures, and your talents. Your priorities are revealed by the way you spend your time, your treasures, and your talents. How much of your time is with or from or for God? Does he get an hour or so of your time and attention on a Sunday? Or do you wake up with praise on your lips and worship in your heart and include him throughout the entire day? Your treasures are those things that occupy your mind and surround you. They are the things, the people, and the desires that take up most of the space in your mind and your heart. What do you most treasure? And how does God rank on your list of most valued treasures? Your talents are gifts that the Lord has given you for skills and abilities. Have you sanctified or surrendered your gifts and used them to glorify God, or are you mostly using them for yourself? Have you surrendered these three things to the Lord for his kingdom purposes, your time, your treasure, and your talents? This is sort of the question that we're going to be addressing with the Lord in the Experience Jesus Encounter section. You know, you may be very clear about the things that you want in life. The odd thing is that you might be trying to look past God to receive that stuff. And you might be pursuing instead of attracting. And you might be striving instead of resting to try to get those things that you want. When what you really, really need to understand is that if all you did was want to be with God, he would add everything your heart desires onto you because he just 
loves you as his close bride, friend, co-heir, reigner, all those things. Truly, the secret of fulfillment in life is understanding how to abide in the manifest presence of the Lord. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After playing with the Lord for a few minutes and truly just enjoying being with him in the special place, ask the Lord, show me your heart's desire for me and what increased intimacy would look like and how you would bless my time, my treasures, and my talents if I shifted my focus and gazed at you longer. Show me what I look like in that level of intimacy with you. And let me stay there for a few minutes so I can feel the blessing of it. And then deposit in my heart the hunger for that to become my everyday reality. Take all the time you need and record it all in your journal. Well, I hope that you have an increased hunger for the Lord. And we just thank you, Jesus, for how truly easy it is to just receive so many blessings from you by simply wanting to be with you. It's a glorious truth. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, amen. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.